Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. <laughs> That's right. We're here for you. And I have a fantastic guest. You're going to love him. It's Larry O'Connor. He hails from WMAL, which you may remember very sweetly and distinctly as I filled in there a ton before I got my own show on nights on Sirius XM. And Larry joins us to talk news of the day. He is a creative director over at Town Hall. Um, He has his own podcast over at the Washington Examiner. He writes all over the place. He's really, really a very busy man. We don't know how he gets it all done. And he's a friend of mine. I think we've been friends for 12 years. Probably one of the very first people I met when I started doing all this stuff. I met Larry at CPAC. And he and I have been best buddies, joined at the hip ever since. Larry, thanks for coming on. It's so true, Stacey. Everything you said is true, especially about how talented I am. And, you know, uh, <laughs> it does it goes back 12 years. And you know who loved you, who, like, heard you on on podcasting and things that I was doing back then um, was Andrew Breitbart. And he said, oh, my God, who is this Stacey Washington? I love her. And uh, <laughs> that that was the seal of approval that I needed. Certainly. Well, um, he was amazing. And he would come yeah. here to have dinner at this German restaurant with Dana and Chris Lash. And so... Yeah. Dana would just send out a message to our, we had this little group email. She'd send a note out and she'd say, Andrew Breitbart, the restaurant name, the address, be there at seven o'clock drink. We'll be lifting our glasses at seven Oh one. And so I would, you know, show up and I'd sit there at the table in silence, just wrapped listening to Dana, Andrew Breitbart, uh, Jim Hoft, all of these people just Mm. holding court in this restaurant downtown and it was a little family-owned place, German restaurant, and I would always have schnitzel, and that happened a few times. There were other times where I would just bump into Andrew at CPAC, and he'd be talking, and he'd say, hey, I remember you from St. Louis, and I'd come over and say hi. And I also remember the epic moments, like when Dana became a, uh, she was the editor over at Breitbart, yeah, and that huge announcement. Yeah, yeah, and you were already there, and I just mm-hmm. I just remembered there there was just such an amazing like energy about that time we didn't really oh. know everything we just were doing a whole lot of things and i, I felt like i was like appended on <laughs> so, you know what thank you for pointing that out because so many people like young people because i work with national journalism center young Foundation, and they're like 21 20 you know oh gosh how you know how suddenly we're the old timers and the veterans right <laughs> and they're like oh how how did you do get to be where you are? And oh my gosh, you started out and you were there writing for, you know, big Hollywood and Breitbart TV and all these things. And, and it's like, dude, we had no idea what we were doing. We just, we, we just, Andrew, I didn't, you know, you, you talk about those people. Think about the people that Andrew identified early on to be part of his team. Uh, and, and I'll take myself out of it because it's obviously self-aggrandizing to include me because I'm just happy to be in the room. Right. But yeah, got, but you, you were the hugely in the room. It was so, yeah. it was I remember the first time you spoke and I was listening to you and I thought that voice. And then I remembered I'd been listening to your podcast for ages. So I just was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's Larry O'Connor. And then afterwards, when I went over to talk to you, instead of you being kind of like, oh, yes, I'm Larry O'Connor. You're like, hey, let's let's eat together tonight. We're going to a steakhouse. I was like, really? I was thinking exactly. I'm just some stranger from the audience. So we went and ate and I was sitting there looking around and Coulter swan through. I mean, it was a night. I'm telling you. So, well, yeah, I remember that. You know, it's that, that podcast, you know what my regular Thursday night uh, feature was? I had, a, I had an hour on the podcast. And this was like a podcast, but it was a live streaming show for two hours way back in the ancient days. I mean, I didn't know one knew what streaming was. And it streamed at Breitbart every night. It was in 2009. You know what my Thursday night feature was? We called it The Hour of Hate. And it was these two barely known writers from big Hollywood who would come on 
and 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 do pundit stuff with me for an hour and a half. Ben Shapiro and Kurt Schlichter. <laughs> that was my third. And no, it's like, who are these guys? And as well, you know who they are now. You know, like we do then, now. But back then, these yeah. were some of the best podcasts ever made. I'm telling you. We, so and I would and sit and listen. Cleason and yes. Crowder. Yes. And Lack and mm-hmm. yeah, Stacey Washington. And, and all laughter. There was So there was a lot of laughing. There was a lot of fun. Um, and there was also is. people that are. Be, for God's sake. Well, Everyone's yeah. Pissed off all the time. We have to. And and also, if you remember, Sonny Johnson was mixed of into course. that. Um, so, so many people that are now like fixtures that we just take for granted. Back then, Davis. we were I hanging out. One of Kira Davis's first interviews. Yes, and, Kira. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it goes on and on. The deliciousness Andrew of Kira Davis. Unbelievable. Do you remember Jim Garrardi back then? He was writing. He was doing his newsletter, but it was you know before newsletters were like everyone has a yeah, newsletter. The campaign spot, I think. He yes, and like that, that thing yeah. was just like it was the Bible. You had to read that every day if you wanted to know what was going to be going on in Washington yeah. D.C. So yeah. so yeah, it's all the all the original people. But there was a sense that, like, I feel like Andrew Breitbart knew what he was doing. And in a lot of ways, I feel like Ben Shapiro and Dana Lash <laughs> knew what they were doing. Yeah, um, they have a but, plan and, and I still have yeah, no idea what I'm doing. I did not know what I was doing. I was just there. I just sometimes would look across and I'd kind of wink at a friend and go, what are we doing here? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, you know what, Stacey, and here, this is so funny because you have a News of the Day podcast and we're supposed to talk about what's going on. And here we are, like, oh, right like a family yes. reunion. But here, you have talent, you have passion, and you're smart. And that's all it takes. And, it, and it's all it's ever taken. And and by the way, you say you used to fill in at WMAO all the time. You fill in for me. Like when I get credit here, that like, <laughs> okay. You know, so Larry, you're on the fact is, I want Stacy. I want. Stacey. I I was, and and he has the best team. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, you know, I heard you fill in on WMAL, it's a very difficult gig over there because it is a number five six market. So one of the top markets in the entire country and the listeners are sharper they're sharper than tax they're sharper than covid-19 oh, yeah. jabs they they're sharp the government. They yeah all, they correct me and they will that. not yeah, put they, up with any mistakes or any nonsense you have to be ready 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 and so i go in there and he has this amazing team that works for him i love everybody at wmal larry the most but everybody well, um, we miss and, you, but we're so happy that you do well it. and sometimes i do my my daughter even said do you miss you know wmal i'm like yeah i do i actually do miss it she's like but you just can't do like six hours of radio a day can you mom i'm like no it's it's kind of like that would be running myself into the ground but i'm very grateful for obviously the opportunity to do that but the friendships are what i really really prioritize and i'm so grateful for and i know you know we're catching up here and it really doesn't matter what we talk about because it's our it's you know it's my podcast i can talk about whatever i want but i think it is it's the greatest it's absolutely the greatest but I want to I want to point that out because in, something that's being lost today in politics, and this is a perfect segue, is that Washington, D.C. has made everything so rancorous that people are forgetting the root of what we're talking about here is friendships and relationships. With or without the fill-ins, the podcasts are how I kind of got introduced to your voice and then realized you were the same person I was listening to and meeting up with at ZPAC. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it's a real friendship because now we've met, we've eaten together, we've broken bread. Yeah. And, we're, and we're constantly bumping into each other at conferences. And then at some point, I remember syncing up and it's like, are you going to be there? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be there. It's kind of like we ping pong all around. And then when we see each other there, we know we're going to eat steak. These relationships help keep you strong in times like what we're in right now where 
you literally have Joe Biden running America into the ground. It's like he's got America on one of those wheels supposed to be used to turn wood and instead he's just grinding America into a pulp. He's literally Mm -hmm. destroying the country. It's the relationships that keep us strong and together. Amen. Well said. Well said. And we got to stick together. I mean, I guess, and, and we all have it. I just, I love the people on the right, our, our fellow conservatives who like have to like go out of their way to grandstand on social media or on their podcast or it's like that. Oh, this, this, my fellow conservatives said this, and I just want to make sure everyone knows that I don't agree with them on this. this they're wrong. It's like, why do we have to spend so much time telling says nobody agrees on everything? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Does George Stephanopoulos have to jump up and down and scream how, about what he doesn't agree with Jake Tapper about? Never fall into that trap. But we have to, well, I, you know, while, while I disagree with you on this, I also want to say, it's like, oh, stop. For God's sake, there is like every single, there's 98% of the media outlets are all out there trying to silence us because they can't live with the fact that they don't have a whole 100% information dominance. And we forget that we're all in this together. That was one of the things that Andrew left us with, that that last speech he gave before he died in 2012 was, if you're not with me, you're with Antifa. Well, it wasn't Antifa then, it was Occupy then. But it's like, we we have a bigger threat here. We have a bigger enemy. It's like, I don't care if Romney wins the primary or Rick Santorum or Newt Gingrich, right? He died during that primary. Are you, can you, it, it seems quaint now, right? It's like, I don't care. Let's just coalesce behind somebody and go after who the real problem is. And that's Obama and the socialists who want to take down this country. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. I, I and, and then, of course, everything got multiplied under Trump. But I, I just have no patience for it. I don't either. I'm happy to point out where I disagree with someone for the end goal of demonstrating the difference. I'm not agreeing with, let's say I'm not agreeing with Tony Katz on something. And here's why. And this rarely happens. But if if there's an opportunity to point out something that I feel like, look, also consider this is not for the sake of tearing anyone down. It's for the sake of disseminating the information. Because oh, you sure. can form your own opinion, right? You, so That's the people the who are key. listening will form their own opinions. That's I'm just here key. to give as much information as possible. Then you, you right. make it out here for yourself. Facts. This is what I think. This is what Tony thinks. And I respect you enough to reach your conclusion. Yeah. And also respect Tony enough to say on the times that we've disagreed, we've also laughed about it and moved on because yeah. in the end, Tony's not trying to tear America down. Most of the people on the right who I may disagree with are not trying to tear America down. Uh, I'd say maybe everybody but the never Trumpers. They seem like they really aren't really on the right. But everybody well, else, it's just a, because it appears they're not conservative. That's, right. I mean, it, it, it appears <laughs> it appears that yeah. they are not indeed conservatives at all. <laughs> That's Could bad. I mean, I'm listen, I'm agreeing with you just, you know, theoretically here, just for the purpose. But can I just go on the record? I don't agree with any cats on any <laughs> <laughs> broken in Washington. And it is. Uh, and we've got to do our little. And that's why I'm, I'm really happy. They just moved me back to the morning show on WMAL. So it's five to nine in the morning. And and I try to make it so upbeat and so even though it listen, we got lousy news every day. Right. But especially during Afghanistan and everything that we've had to deal with this year in the Biden administration. But Stacey, people have, we will be so broken if we spend our morning starting our day thinking that the entire thing is falling apart. We've got to feel empowered that we can do something about it, even if that means going to your local school board and start talking to those, those, those school board representatives who are screwing up your child's school. I mean, at least that's something. We can do something and let's start fixing it there. Frankly, if we can fix what's going on in our kids' schools, that's a huge victory because there's nothing more important. No, I might not be able to fix who's sitting in the White House, but I can fix what's going on in my house. And so that's what I try to do every day on our morning show. And I think it's working because 
people are still activated. They're still energized. They're not depressed. They're taking it to them. They, we're not going anywhere, Stacey. We're not going anywhere, but we also are not going to be belittled when it comes to the kids because that is the big unintended silver lining from COVID-19. It's all of the parents who are literally fully activated with their kids. They're fighting critical race theory. And those same people, a lot of them are apolitical. They don't feel like politics has ever been something they want to delve into. It's nasty. It's not for them. And now they realize they've been involved in it the whole time and their children are reading pornography at school. They're reading about how white people are all racist and blacks are all victims. And they're fighting that. And the extension of that, it's just like the Tea Party movement. How many people came out because they wanted smaller government and ended up fighting on behalf of young women and babies for the pro-life movement or ended up really being engaged on not just smaller limited government, but maybe bringing the troops home from the Middle East. And so what I'm looking for is that same CRT army. If they fix the schools, they'll have done more, 100% of what we've been talking about for 10, 12 years. But if they go further, if they branch out and do even more, that's where we're going to see real change. It's those activated people because it's just like what happened with us. This circles back to the beginning of our conversation, Larry. We didn't know what our real talents were. Like when we'd be sitting there eating dinner together after CPAC, I had no idea that I would talk about, you know, pro-life. It was an issue for me, but never one that I felt. I would be publicly speaking about, yet now I do that all the time. And there's so many other issues where I cared about them, but I never knew I would talk about them. So the offshoot was silver lining, call it what you will. I kind of was activated during that time. It was Breitbart, it was O'Connor, it was so many others. Um, yeah. And somebody calling me during my podcast recording time. I love that. I, they clearly don't I, know you. Yeah. What, yeah, no, they don't. But, but you're but absolutely I, right. This is community organizing. The only And there's nothing wrong with community organizing. The only problem is, you know, communities have been organized to take down our country and everything it stands for. So now we're organizing and we're bringing it back to where it belongs. Yeah. And, 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 it's in the, and I got to tell you, and I, I'm writing about this. One of my columns this week at Town Hall is going to be about this because you sort of touched on the, the one silver lining of COVID. I truly believe that this was a failed strategy. You remember the rhetoric coming from the teachers' unions at the beginning of COVID when parents were saying, oh my God, what are you doing? Get our kids back in the classroom. This this remote learning is a disaster. Remember mm-hmm. the things that the teachers' union was saying at the time? Oh, people are just sick. This is just their white privilege because they want their babysitters back, right? It was mm-hmm. so demeaning. They want their free daycare in the public schools. They truly believed that by having kids back at home, and having a parent at home overseeing their remote learning, that in some way that would swing public support to the teacher's side. Because suddenly, mom and dad who really took that free daycare for, for granted, they would see what a critical role the teachers had in their child's lives. And suddenly, public support would swing back over to the teaching. I think this was really a strategy of theirs. And, and it completely backfired on them. Because parents actually saw what was really going on in the schools. And they're so angry at the power of these teachers' unions. It is, it is, I think, one of the single greatest failed political strategies of our, of my adult life. And, and it really will change this country for the better if we can keep the momentum up. And there's nothing like telling someone, because you previously told them, I have a master's degree in education and I know more about teaching than you do. And so you need to defer all teaching decisions to me and you just mm. manage the home. And then you tell that same person, you know what? You're just angry because your glorified babysitting has been taken away from you. And the parent says, um, glorified babysitter, you told me you were a master degreed professional with teaching certifications and all kinds of continuing education. You're just a glorified babysitter. And once you tell a parent that, 
You yeah. never wipe that away. So every time they see you now, instead of a master's degree professional, you're a glorified babysitter. Now yep. they don't want you to teach their kid because they're like, well, what a great point. You know I'm what I mean? That. I'm feeling that for my call. Take it. Take it. It's it's my gift to you. I can't give enough because in Larry O'Connor land, which is where all of us live, all things have to come to that perfect conclusion, which is we want to read your writing. Come on. So write something good for us so we conclude that I in the show you know, notes for today's I podcast. I do love it when, you, <laughs> when I'm voluntold to do things like it. Yeah. Yeah, I do my best. And and I am bossy like that. Just ask anyone. Um, okay, so like we will we will include the link to your writing over at Town Hall and other places, Washington Examiner, all that stuff. It'll be in the show notes for today's podcast. Larry O'Connor, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice and to chat thank with you. you. Thank you, my friend. Don't be Can't a stranger. Let's do this again real soon. <laughs> That's Larry O'Connor. He is the host of Larry O'Connor in the Morning. And this is over on WMAL. And I want to tell you about one more thing that is actually fun, but in a very fiscally conservative and fiscally responsive way. And that is the Alliance for Shared Health. This is changing healthcare and changing lives by giving you the opportunity to join up 40,000 households and get access to health benefits without supporting abortion or things that are ungodly and unbiblical. So you can find out more at stacyontheright.com. You can click the banner ad there or at familyvisionmedia.org. Click the banner ad there. It says Alliance for Shared Health. You can also access discounts at of up to 80% on your imaging and lab tests. You can get your share prescription card and go to the pharmacy. Really, it's not very different from what you're doing now with your health care, only it's more affordable. You can save up to 70% on your premiums and make a difference in the lives of others who share your values. So it's the Alliance for Shared Health. You can find out more at stacyontheright.com and familyvisionmedia.org. And that's another wrap here at Stacy on the Right. So God bless. Have a fantastic evening. And um, I'll be back with you soon. <laughs>